1: feel like we can the table. are to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. And you can go to our website to get all of our podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It is Opponent Wednesday. Chris Burke is here from The Athletic, formerly my colleague at Sports Illustrated, to talk about the Detroit Lions. The Packers take on the Lions Monday night at Lambeau Field. Before we get into that, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway. You can rate this podcast, and if you put your name and your Twitter handle in that review on iTunes, you can be entered into winning a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. It's a $39.99 value. You can get player grades, you can get charting data, you can get all sorts of fantasy football tools. We're getting close to playoff runs in fantasy football, which means you need to have all of the best data available to you to win your league, because other people can go on Fantasy Pros. They can go to ESPN, they can click the rankings, they know how to work the internet. But if you have the behind the paywall data, the good data, you have an advantage. So just, it's so simple. Put your name in a review, your Twitter handle of this podcast on iTunes, and you could win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. Before we get to the Packers, it was another busy day yesterday in the trade world before the trade deadline. Stuff was flying. The Bengals and the Browns tried to finish a trade. The Browns thought they had it. Turns out they didn't. But in terms of trades that that affect the Packers moving forward, the Eagles traded for Dolphins running back Jay Ajayi. This was, this was a hole in their team. One of the few. This is another trade where I don't think Packers fans should be upset. Because Jay Ajayi was not a necessary piece for the Green Bay Packers. Ty Montgomery is a quality back and Aaron Jones is developing into a star player. Philadelphia is a middle of the road running team. They're 15th in, in rush offense DVOA. Defense adjusted value over average. That's average. J.J. is a boomer bust running back, but he is talented. He's better than any running back currently on the Eagles roster, and he could make this offense scary. He could make them really, really, really good. Carson Wentz has been outstanding this season. They are fifth in offensive DVOA passing. So this could be a team that is an elite passing team and a very good running team, and that makes each more dangerous. Eagles are the best team in the NFC to start this week. And they only made that more pronounced with their moves at the deadline. The Panthers traded Kelvin Benjamin to the Buffalo Bills. This was a puzzling move because the Panthers were good. And Kelvin Benjamin is a good player. This was a a potentially dangerous team in the playoffs because the defense can play at a high level. And Cam Newton is the the kind of... Unique talent who can take over games for long stretches. Who can take over stretches of games. He can lead his team to 15-1 and one records and, and to the Super Bowl. He's done it before. So to trade away their best receiver is a puzzling move. Now, it certainly helps the Packers for their potential meeting in mid-December. Makes them a little bit easier to defend, although it could mean more, more run for Curtis Samuel, a rookie from Ohio State who may make the geometry of the Panthers' offense work a little bit better. It could mean more targets for Devin Funches, who's a quality player. But Kelvin Benjamin had shown flashes of of stardom. So to just give him away was puzzling. But look, he goes to the AFC, so no harm, no foul for the Packers. And speaking of no harm, no foul, the entire Packers offense, minus you-know-who, practiced on Tuesday. Lane Taylor is back from an ankle injury that looked much worse live than it turned out to be. There, there was talk after the game that the Packers thought he might have a chance to play against the Saints. He didn't. But it looks like he's going to be good to go for the Lions. And the extra day of practice should help. And 10 out of 11 starters for the Packers practiced. That means Morgan Burnett is back. Jake Ryan is, is healthy. healthy. The one starter who didn't practice is Nick Perry and, and no reason was given for his injury. He had been practicing. He wasn't even listed on the Friday injury report for the Saints. So whether this was a setback or this was just a, a scheduled rest day or or something, we don't know at this point. Ma Brooks also didn't practice with the back. Quinton Dial dealing with a chest injury. And, and Joe Thomas, we knew, had an ankle. Kentrell Bryce also with an ankle. But with Morgan Burnett back, the Kentrell Bryce injury is... is not really a problem because Josh Jones is the nickel linebacker. They're going to have their best safeties on the field. Now, Nick Perry, right now, there's no reason to be concerned. He Again, he practiced the week before the bye, played, finished the game against the Saints with without any setbacks. So short of reporting new information here, I don't think there should be cause for concern. They could have their entire starting defense back for the Lions. And that does something, I think, interesting because... That means this is their team. They have all their players. All their preferred starters are going to play except one. So how good are you without Aaron Rodgers? How good can you be? How talented are you? How well coached are you? How well can you execute without your best player? And not just your best player, your most important player, and the guy who is better at his position than anyone else in football, and the guy who is more important to his position than anyone else in football, a guy who does more for his team, perhaps, than anyone else in football. How good are you without that guy? The reopening is right around the corner, and there's a chance that no one has seen your balls in months. Don't ruin your first post-quarantine date with a ball fro. Would you show up on the first day of school without a haircut?
0: and he got better, I thought, this past year, which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws
1: and the touch of his throws. But his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league.
0: Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On
1: NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. If the rest of the team is healthy, coming off a bye, Packers are 7-1. and one. And their last eight games coming off a bye with three wins over the Lions. In a game they have to win at home in prime time with an extra day to go along with the extra week to prepare. Brett Hundley was in Green Bay all week in meetings with Mike McCarthy. Working with him. They went over the tape. They had extra time that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Mike McCarthy said Tuesday that that Brett Hundley needs to play faster. That's true. He held the ball too much. Was a little bit slow to to make decisions. Whether he was slow to process, I don't know. He did not look slow to process against Minnesota. He played freely. I think he played tight against the Saints. He's got to trust his eyes and play with confidence. And having Aaron Rodgers back in the building, which he is now, Mike McCarthy smiled. He smiled, guys, when talking about Aaron Rodgers, who's in good spirits after the collarbone surgery. He's apparently doing well. There's no timetable yet. But there's little hints here and there that there's growing optimism that Rodgers can return. Rodgers is going to be back in the building, is going to help Brett Hundley this week. And maybe that is exactly the kind of confidence boost Brett Hundley needs. It's hard to put into words how important it is to have a player, the quality of Aaron Rodgers, on the sidelines, at practice, helping a young quarterback out. Just to be there, to give him a little bit of support. I mean, imagine being at UCLA or being a high school kid in Arizona like Brett Hundley was and watching Aaron Rodgers win the Super Bowl and a couple years later, you're on his team and you watch him do things that no one else can do. You watch him play the game the way no one else can play it. To have him in your corner supporting you, giving you tips, that has to be a confidence boost. Okay, I went long with Chris Burke, I have been going long on these interviews because I think that there's a lot of information that I want to be able to bring you. Someone like Chris is an invaluable resource for Packers fans in a week like this because he knows this team so well. I know his work is not as freely available as it used to be. Obviously, when he was at Sports Illustrated, you could go to SI.com or you could click on any link that you saw with his byline and you could go read it. Well, he writes for The Athletic Detroit now. And that means if you want his content, most of the time you have to subscribe. And I encourage you to do that. Not because I'm getting paid to say that. Not because I think, not because I have some vested interest in the athletic. Not because I want them to hire me. I think it's important that we support quality journalism. I think the Washington Post and the New York Times, their their reporting has encouraged people to sign up for pay model journalism. And there's no reason why we shouldn't do that in sports. If you want good content, you should be willing to pay for it. That's just how I feel. And if you don't want to do it, that's fine. That's your right. But you should be willing to because if you like something that someone makes and and ultimately content is a product, you should be willing to pay for it. Before the internet, you had to pay for newspapers. Be willing to pay for something of high quality. That's all I'm saying. You can follow Chris at Chris NFL on Twitter. Again, you can read him at TheAthletic.com. Let's bring in Chris Burke. Chris, thanks for joining Locked On Packers. Yeah, thanks for having me. So the the Lions played the Steelers for the first time, like, ever on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> and Matthew Stafford threw for a bunch of yards, and they moved the ball up and down the field and couldn't get the ball in the end zone. The third most yards for a team that didn't score a touchdown in the modern NFL history What happened?
0: Uh, Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think Stafford actually had a good to great game from 15-yard line to 15-yard line and then got in the red zone and it it all kind of fell apart. And I think, you know, he kind of saw the Steelers play uh, pretty heavily against the pass in the red zone. You know, they were rushing three guys at times, dropping eight, even when the Lions were down inside the five and sort of daring them. Uh, to run the ball, and they couldn't really do that. J- Dwayne Washington got stu- stuffed a couple times, brought in Theo Riddick. Stafford Audible to a run play to Riddick. That got blown up. So even when the Lions had numbers up front, they couldn't really do anything um, on the ground, and that obviously made it pretty tough to find space uh, with the receivers and tight ends and everyone in the end zone. But you know, I think a lot of it uh, sort of two things. A is the offensive line's only okay, and that contributes to the run game too. But B, I mean, they they just need, you know, they need someone to make a play at some point when you're down there. Whether that's Stafford himself, you know, Marvin Jones had one on a fader out go through his hands. T.J. Jones was just out of bounds on one. Ebron had one hit off his fingertips. So, I mean, at some point you just got to make a play down there, and they they didn't do that. It was a game they definitely could have won, but probably deserved to lose given what happened down close to the goal line.
1: And that was the reason why you spend the 10th pick to draft Eric Ebron in the first place and and not to not to pile on because I know Lions fans do that with Ebron enough. I mean, this is a guy who gets booed in his own stadium and gets Bronx cheered when he makes a catch, but that's why they brought him in and he hasn't been that guy and they haven't had that guy. But like my question is why why not use a guy, a matchup guy like Theo Riddick, who has been such a big part of this offense the last few years? He was noticeably not as big a part of the offense on Sunday, and he seems like he could be a red zone guy if you get him matched up against a linebacker or a safety.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the usage of Theo Riddick is one of the big mysteries in general with this offense right now. Um, it, uh, I think he and Amir Abdullah were on the field together for three plays Sunday, and that's actually a pretty big number for them, given where they've been in the past. So uh, they just don't really use them together, and it doesn't make a lot of sense because Riddick's a guy that you can use. I mean, you could do two backs and, and roll him out. You can put him in the slot, and he is. He's a great uh, mismatch for that offense. Even when you're talking about you know facing an eight-man zone down by the goal line, I think he's someone that naturally knows how to get open, doesn't necessarily need a lot of space. To make catches, so it is kind of a mystery. I don't think they're doing themselves any favor by giving Dwayne Washington carries. It probably will be Zach Zenner. I would assume again this week. Washington left with a concussion uh, last week and and wasn't all that effective. So, but neither of those guys are great uh, short yardage backs. So, yeah, I mean it doesn't make a lot of sense why they don't use Riddick or they don't use Amir Abdullah really at all in the red zone either. So you know, I think they do themselves no favors with how they utilize these guys. And even back to Ebron, too. I mean, the size is his big advantage. I mean, he's someone that you can get on the ball, he'll catch and run. He had a big one in a 44-yarder like that Sunday. But if you're going to use him in short yardage, you've got to try to use his size. And they never really give him chances to go up uh, and get the ball. They just don't have a guy who does that for them. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, you, you have plays where you wonder who Matthew Stafford's even really supposed to be throwing to, um, it's kind of shocking how much they miss Anquan Bolden off last year's roster.
1: Yeah. When your offense is, is missing, uh, a, a guy like Anquan Bolden this late in his career, that's a, that's a pretty serious problem with either your personnel or your scheme or both. Um, and, and speaking of those issues, the fourth down calls are going to be a, a talking point for this team. Um Jim Caldwell sort of a notoriously conservative coach. Where did you stand on the on the fourth down calls? I I thought the first one was the right one and the second one was the wrong one.
0: Yeah, I mean I think I'm with you. I the only reason I hesitate on the first one um aside from that you would have taken the lead is that they had just lost their right tackle, Ricky Wagner left with an injury and they're they're already playing not just without Taylor Decker, who's still out has been out all year, but Greg Robinson was out uh, as well. And, you know, I think they actually upgraded in bringing in Brian Mahalik last week at left tackle. But, you know, you're at Brian Mahalik, and then you bring in Dan Skipper to play right tackle on that fourth and one at the goal line. That was his first play as a Lion in the regular season. Um, So that's a pretty tough ask down by the goal line. Stafford ended up getting sacked, trying to scramble up the middle. But I'm with you. I mean, I think that was the right call. I think you go for the touchdown there. Um, You can't assume you're going to give up a 97 yard touchdown pass right after that. But I'm also with you in that if you go for it and don't get it, you know, you can't be aggressive that first time and then conservative the second time and take the field goal because, you know, getting within five doesn't obviously you then can win the game in theory with a touchdown, but you still have to score a touchdown. You're still in that position where you've got to find the end zone again. So I think it's the bouncing around between being aggressive and conservative and then aggressive again You know that really puts you in a bind if it doesn't work out. And uh, you know, I think Caldwell kind of got stuck there. Um, and some of it, I think, obviously, is that I'm not sure he trusted he could get a touchdown that second time because of how many problems they'd have. So uh, it's sort of all spiraled on him, but I, I'm i with you. I think they were right to go the first time, but I think if you go the first time and don't get it, you've got to go the second time.
1: Yeah, if you're going to pick one time to not go, it should have been the first time, right? right. You, you kick the field goal to take the lead, and then and then the second time you're, you, you have to go because a field goal doesn't help you. Now, the other, the, the point of going for it is you give the ball back to the Steelers at the three-yard line, and then you are not supposed to give up a 97-yard touchdown on the next drive? Like, that's part of the calculation?
0: <laughs> right. I mean, ideally. And I think that was just, you know, that was one of those where <laughs> the pressure hadn't been getting there, so you had some time for Ben Roethlisberger, and Smith Schuster had a good game, but, you know, he just burned Quandre Diggs, who's been really good for the Lions for the majority of this season. I mean, if I think if you were expecting someone to get smoked in that situation, you'd probably pick Nevin Lawson or D.J. Hayden, whoever was uh, outside opposite um, Darius Slay. I think it was Hayden on that play. But, you know, Diggs has been pretty good. I mean, you think even if they move the ball, uh, get a couple first downs, you still get the ball back down a point in decent field position. That was, yeah, I mean, that was obviously unfortunate for them, just a killer to have it spin like that and go from on the verge of taking the lead to down by eight in a heartbeat. But, you know, that's, that's the risky run with not putting any points up against a team like the Steelers. I mean, to expect the Lions defense to hold Pittsburgh to 13 points is a pretty tough ask on any night.
1: Yeah, and that being said, the the Lions' defense. I mean, going into the game, they were ninth in DVOA, top ten against the uh, the run and the pass. This was the defense last year that finished last in the league in weighted DVOA and thirty-two against the pass. So, with with you know largely the same personnel at the key spots, what what has been different this year for the Lions? Why are they playing so well defensively? I mean,
0: I think one thing is that. Teams have had a tough time running between the tackles on them. They, the Saints especially just killed them getting to the edges uh, with Ingram and Kamara. But even with Haloti Nata out of the lineup, they've been tough to run up the middle on because I think A'shaun Robinson's been good. And you know they brought in Jared Davis, uh, Jalen Reeves, Mabin's been seeing more time at linebacker, To hear Whitehead's still there. They're still a really good downhill uh, team in that front seven. So uh, they put some teams in tough spots. I do think they have pretty good pieces for the most part in the secondary. I think that second cornerback spot is a weakness and has proven to be a weakness. But Diggs has been really good. The 97-yarder aside, uh, I don't know if you can put that aside totally, but uh, he's been good for them in the slot. Darius Slay, I think, is a legit shutdown guy at this point. Glover Quinn's one of the better free safeties in football. And then you mix in Miles Killabrew, Tavon Wilson. So they've got pretty good personnel in that secondary, and I think it's a testament to that secondary, how well they played, that the pass defense has been as good as it's been without really any help at all from the pass rush. They have not done anything off the edges. They're not getting much interior pressure. I mean, Anthony Zettel had a couple games at the start of the season where he he was really good, and he's still been probably their best pass rusher above, I would say, Ziggy Ansa most of the time. So they're not getting much out of that pass rush. Uh, The secondary has just been good and they've been opportunistic They're When teams are making mistakes back there, they're turning them into interceptions. And I think that's obviously a a huge key if you can do that.
1: Yeah, this was a question um, that I, I was asking before the Saints game. The way you usually treat a young quarterback is you play coverage, you try and confuse them, and then you pick your spots to attack. And the Saints did that against Brett Hundley. How do you think Detroit will handle attacking uh, a quarterback in his second NFL start? I
0: think it'll probably be similar. Then um, they did bl- they did try to blitz uh, Ben Roethlisberger a, f- a handful of times, and never really got home. And then they just left underneath routes open when they did that. And I think that it's probably similar. They'd prefer to make Hundley throw the ball against seven uh and just rush four and, and really a lot of the time that was their approach even when Aaron Rodgers has been healthy that's what the lions have tried to do is just get to him with four and drop as many guys in coverage as they possibly can and um ats at points they've been successful to a degree with against Rodgers doing that especially in the first halves of some of the games they matched up with him they've been able to frustrate him a little but um if he were playing Monday night. Given what the Lions have been doing with their pass rush, I don't know that there's any way you could pick the Lions to win that game. Honestly, or expect the defense to slow him down because the front four is just not doing anything right now against the pass. So um, maybe they try to mix in some blitzes, try to confuse them. They they do have some guys between Davis and Tavon Wilson and Killebrew. They have some guys that are good blitzers from that second and third levels, but I think they'll probably you'll probably see a lot of the foreman try to play coverage, try to keep things underneath, and just see if you can uh, wait out Hundley and see if he'll make a mistake.
1: Yeah, I think especially given the personnel that they have, you know, you mentioned Darius Slay, he is a legitimate number one corner, top tier corner. Um, Quinn is is very good. It, it seems like the move is say, okay, Brett Hundley, we dare you to beat us. We're gonna put we're gonna put eight in the box and and see what you could do against Aaron, with Aaron Jones. Now, the Packers ran for almost six yards a carry. Um, even if you take away that 46-yard run that, that Aaron Jones had against the Saints, they were really successful running the ball against the Saints. But the, the Lions' defense against the run is much better. They held Le'Veon Bell mostly in check. I, I was pretty surprised they were as effective as they were against Le'Veon Bell. And if they can be that effective against Aaron Jones, it's going to be tough for the Packers' offense.
0: Yeah, and again, I mean, I think that they are, they are pretty stout when you try to go up the middle with them. I think you can get outside on them, and, and that's really going to be their challenge because that's one of the benefits. And Rogers is a guy that can beat you with his legs too. But I think that's one of the things we know Hunley is an athletic guy, uh, can hurt you if he gets a, it gets a little opening. Um, and so the Lions are going to have to really cognizant of trying to contain everything Uh, and that's been when they have had troubles defending the run that's been how it's happened guys have been able to turn the corner on them and not just turn the corner for three or four yards if they're able to get outside uh, and get to the corner most of those times those runs have been you know eight nine ten and much more beyond that so um, that's definitely the challenge again you know if you the the goal I think obviously for them is to hold up early get Hundley into some third and seven, third and eights, and just see if they can uh, try to force him into a, a miscue here and there. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, like you said, it, it, you can't give up six yards of carry uh, in this game and be successful. So that's that's really going to be the big key is what the Packers can do on the ground and what they can do to, to get in those third and shorts and, and really put the Lions behind the chains.
1: I know it's early in the week, we we haven't seen injury reports we don't know who's healthy and who's not but just give me your the the lions are road favorites give me your early feel for how you think this game is going to is going to play I out i mean it
0: it's such a hard the lions are a hard team to really ever pick with confidence i think because you see that they <laughs> they're obviously i mean they're a competitive team clearly i think they're a a decent team, even a, a wild card contender. I, mean, I don't think any of those things are stretches, but they continue to have issues getting over the top against other teams you would consider to be good teams. I mean, they're they're in those games, they but now they've lost to Carolina, Atlanta, New Orleans, uh, and now Pittsburgh, who are the four four of the five best teams on their schedule, and they beat Minnesota in the game that Dalvin Cook got hurt. So, um. It's tough. I mean, the matchup I think is a good one for Detroit. I think it's an opportunity for Detroit. Certainly, without Rogers in there, it's really a game with the quarterback matchup alone. You would say the Lions should win, but <laughs> at Lambeau, first of all, and just given you know how they've had trouble closing games, it's it's tough to pick them. I, I do think you know it comes down to. Um, the Lions run defense, but also I think it comes down to how the Packers secondary plays because Stafford will give them some opportunities to make plays. You know, he's he's a guy that'll throw for a bunch of yards, but he, he makes some dangerous throws. So are those going to be incompletions or, you know, dangerous 30-yard receptions, or are they going to be interceptions? Um, I think it's a toss-up, really, and it sort of depends on which version of the Lions show up at this point. <laughs> um so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think it's, you, you, again, you almost just assume Lions games are going to come down to a possession late in the fourth quarter.
1: Packers are seven and one coming off buys in their last eight seasons with three wins against the Lions. So it's happened before, but you know, look, Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback in those games, not Brent Hundley. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I think you're right. I think it's a, it's a one possession game late either way, and and uh, depending on whose defense. Or offense makes that one play, I think that, that decided well, the la, game. Well, I mean,
0: last time they went there thinking they could take advantage of a backup quarterback, uh, was it Matt Flynn, whatever, threw for whoever it was. Six threw touchdowns? For, yeah, I mean, it was Flynn, right? Threw for 500 yep, yards. In a,
1: in a Week 17 game that didn't mean anything to Green Bay and, and meant everything to the Lions. Packer fans are going to be so glad you brought up that game, Chris. So uh, I, I appreciate you doing so, and and I appreciate you joining Locked On Packers. I want to thank Chris again for joining locked on Packers. He's a great guy and a, and a great writer. So um, check out his content when you can subscribe to the athletic. it be great. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Burke NFL. We're going to have Ed Fang from the power rank on tomorrow. To talk a little, talk a little advanced numbers, a little, uh, a little gambling, maybe if you're interested, we'll have more information about who's practicing, who's doing what, how they look, Those kinds of things. We'll talk a little bit about what Aaron Rodgers means to this team. That's why I wanted to have Ed on. It's a hard thing to account for. We're gonna find out on Monday because this team's gonna be healthy. It's gonna be a healthy team in Brett Huntley. Okay, guys, time to go do it. Okay, coaches, time to go do it. Time to show it, time to prove it. Let's see it. And We're gonna have shows all week. We're gonna have a show Friday. We're going to come back Monday, give you the the final scouting report before the game, something to listen to, and then Tuesday we'll come back with the recap. And it's on to the next. Another division game. So, a ton of content coming. We We are in full swing here, full throw. Let's do this. Which means you need to stay locked on, Packers.